Amen. Hey, Matthew chapter 6. If you guys got your Bibles, Matthew chapter 6. Hey, let's give this team a round of applause. They do a great job for us leading us in worship. Appreciate them so much. Matthew chapter 6, as we continue the series on prayer. And just a short recap from last week. When we stop and reflect on our culture and the times in which we live, it's hard not to discover and recognize political and economic divide and the hatred, in a way, that comes with that. It's hard not to discover and recognize the substance abuse, the addictions, the explosion in mental illnesses, the crime, the moral decay and corruption. Churches, generally speaking, have become dry, apathetic, indifferent, cold, lukewarm, not interested. As Paul would say to Timothy, we have entered into difficult days. People are lovers of themselves, lovers of money. They're boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. The time has come, Paul would say, when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They have turned their ears away from the truth and have turned aside to myths. But what if, in the midst of such a time as this, What if God is driving us into destitution? Spiritually speaking, emotionally, maybe even physically speaking. Stripping us bare to where we are lacking and wanting extreme poverty. So that we might recognize and acknowledge that without Jesus we're nothing. We have nothing and we will do nothing apart from him. What if he is driving us into destitution in order to produce in us desperation for him? Where we are willing to do anything and everything just to draw near to God. And what if he is driving us into destitution in order to produce in us desperation so as, in such a time as this, so as to create through us transformation on an individual level, a family level, a community level, a cultural level. Level, what if Jesus is calling us into desperate prayer? The kind of prayer where we are so overwhelmed to the point of death, so desperate that we're sweating drops like blood, a kind of anguish in our soul, a kind of pit of destitution in which we cry out, Lord, I just want you. I need you. Not my will in anything, but your will be done in everything. What if everything we're going through is a calling from the Lord to pray. But it's not just that we pray. What I want us to see today, it's, it's also how we pray. When we pray, we must be direct with God. We can't beat around the bushes. We can't pretend. We can't hold back. We must pray, and when we, must, and when we pray, we must be direct with God. 
utterly and wholly exposed when we come into his presence. As the author of Hebrews would say, man, let us come boldly before him, declaring, here I am, Lord. I'm yours. There's a guy by the name of Asher Potts there in the picture. He was a clean-cut 18-year-old with a bright future. He was a member of the ROTC, the National Honor Society. He was a valedictorian candidate at his high school. And he aspired to work at NASA. In 2014, a state representative even tweeted his praises for Asher Potts with a hashtag, going places. But as it turned out, or as it was found out, Asher Potts was pretending Wearing a mask, so to speak. We went to the trunk or treat at the bowling alley last night here in town. And thank you to the Bets for leading that and spending time there with that, representing our church well. And as we're there, watching all these families coming through the line, and it's personing children after another after another, all wearing masks, all dressed up, trying to pretend to be something or someone they're actually not. Asher Potts was wearing a mask. It was found out that he was not really 18 years old. His name was not Asher Potts. He wasn't even an American citizen. He was 23 years old from another country, posing, an imposter, a deceiver, an actor, a hypocrite, someone who was putting on a mask and pretending to be someone he was not. Let's just say he did get into some trouble. Now, this seems ridiculous, though. How could someone be so deceptive? How could someone so pretend in this way to be someone they're not? But many of us, we do the same thing. We put up walls. We bend the truth. We deceive. We pose. We often pretend to be something or someone we're not. Take social media, for example. There's an article written a while back by Dr. Courtney Warren, a psychologist. The article was entitled, How Honest Are People in Social Media? She sought to reveal that social media sites can be breeding grounds for dishonesty. In the article, she said the world is consuming and interacting with social media at increasingly high rates. And we know this. According to 2018 data, four years ago, the majority of U.S. adults use YouTube, or Facebook, now you can add TikTok, Instagram, whatever else you want to add there. But she said of those who use Facebook, more than half of them check this platform several times a day. And the truth is that people tend to lie on these platforms or don't present the whole truth. How? She said, well, first, people directly lie about their lives, which is often an effort to make themselves look more desirable or positive. And a study examining 80 online daters Research found that two-thirds of participants lied about their weight by five pounds or more. And you might wring your fist at them and say, how dare you? I've seen your driver's license number, right? I've seen mine. I'm not quite really that height or weight, I don't think. In a large sample of over 2,000 people in England, 43% of men admitted to making up facts about themselves and their lives that were not true online. But more commonly, she says, people lie by presenting an image of themselves and their lives that is imprecise or less than comprehensive, leading the viewer to believe falsehoods. In other words, people want to put on a mask. 
For example, in one study, only 18% of men and 19% of women reported that their Facebook pages displayed a completely accurate reflection of who they really are. Most commonly, participants said that they only shared non-boring aspects of their lives and were not as active as their social media accounts appeared. In other words, in a way, on some level, all of us are like Asher Potts. Bending the truth, deceiving, posing, pretending. As human beings, we are good at this. We're good at hiding our true selves. We become masters at wearing a mask, some of us better than others. If you've seen the movie, Catch Me If You Can, it's all about this guy right here, Frank William Abagnale Jr., who is a real person. If you know the story, if you've seen the movie, you know that years ago he pretended in fantastic ways, and he had no fewer than eight different identities, wearing eight different masks, so to speak. He pretended to be an airline pilot for Pan Am. He pretended to be a doctor. He pretended to be a lawyer. He wrote false checks under a different name. He had ran all sorts of cons that were worth millions of dollars. And he did all of this before his 19th birthday. He was so good at deception that after he spent some time in prison and faced that whole juncture, the FBI turned to him to offer him a job. And Frank William Abagnale Jr. now operates his own security consultant firm. Human beings are great deceivers. We are great actors. We're great at putting on a mask. And this shouldn't surprise us. Because buried deep within each one of us is a desire, a strong urge, a natural disposition that goes all the way back to the beginning in the garden. To hide our true selves from one another. You think about Adam and Eve, they walked with each other. They did life together. They were completely and wholly open to each other, vulnerable and bare before one another, quite literally. And then sin into the picture. And once sin entered the picture, they immediately went into hiding, seeking to cover themselves, seeking to wear a mask. Shame, fear, sin led them to begin the great art of deception, of putting on a mask for fear that you might find out who I really am. But it's not just that we hide from each other. Deep within us is the urge, the desire, the natural disposition to hide ourselves from God. Again, going back to the garden, we once walked with God. We communicated with him openly, honestly, fully, and wholly vulnerable before him. We were exposed and we thought nothing of it, but then sin entered the picture. And man went into hiding. Sin, shame, fear, man couldn't bear to bring their true self before God into the light. And this is where some of us have been these last couple of years. Because of sin or shame or fear, we've gone from hiding from one another or hiding from God for fear we might be found out. But what if Jesus is calling us to pray? And when we pray to stop putting on the mask with each other, which we'll look at at the end of this series, but especially with God, to be direct with him, to come out of hiding, to be open, to be vulnerable, and utterly exposed before our Father in heaven, regardless of the season. Just as God called to the man back then in the garden, God is calling to us today in such a time as this, where are you? Where are you? 
So Matthew chapter 6, verse 5 through 8 is all we're going to look at today. We'll return to the second half of this passage a little later in this series. But in Matthew chapter 6, 5 through 8, this is what Jesus said. He said, when you pray, not if, but when, don't be like the hypocrites. Why? Because they love to pray standing in the synagogue, standing in the church buildings. They love to pray. And on the street corners, simply to be seen by others. That is the underlying goal of their prayer, just to be seen by others. He says, truly, I tell you that they have received their rewards in full. But when you pray, when you pray, go into your room. Get out of the distractions. Go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father. Just as you are, pray to your Father, who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret. So he's unseen, and he sees what's done in secret. So you have nothing to hide. He already knows. So just come to him just as you are, regardless of where you're at. And then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will rewards you. And when you pray, don't keep on just babbling like pagans, for they think they'll be heard because of their many words. Don't be like them. Instead, your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. So He starts off by saying, don't pray like hypocrites. Hypocrites were actors in older Greek culture. Though by the first century, the time Jesus is roaming about, the term came to be used for those who play roles and see the world as their stage. Think of it like this, this picture here. This is James Bond. The older, the most recent version of James Bond, okay? This is James Bond, a British secret service agent. Fights bad guys. He keeps the world safe. But not really. This is actually who that is. It's actually Daniel Craig, an actor, pretending to be a British Secret Service agent who fights bad guys and saves the world. Wanting the world, wanting you to believe that he is, in fact, James Bond. The religious people in Jesus' day were great actors. So much so that they made people believe that they were righteous. Perhaps even made themselves believe that they were righteous. For as Nathaniel Hawthorne said, listen, no man for any considerable period can wear one face to himself and another to the multitude without finally getting bewildered or lost as to which may be the true. And it gets worse. The religious leaders falsely believed that they could even come to God in prayer and make him believe the lie as well. That they were really that which they pretended to be. And they could use any justification. Well, it was that woman that you gave us. That, that's why we did this. And Jesus' point is for us to not be like them. We might deceive others. We might even deceive ourselves. But you cannot deceive God. He's unseen and he knows what's done in secret. He knows your need before you even mention it. Like he, he knows. He knows us. He knows who you really are. 
There's an old famous deacon story, like a deacon in a church who was teaching a young boy's Sunday school class, like middle school boys. And he saw a great opportunity one Sunday to teach them about Christianity and salvation and everything. And so he kind of lines up the boys and sits them down. He said, listen, why do people call me a Christian? Without even thinking, one of the middle school boys just kind of pipes up. He says, well, maybe it's because they don't know you. That was not one of our deacons, okay? God knows who we are behind locked doors. He knows who you are outside of the Sunday morning gathering. He knows who you are in secret and in the quiet when you're by yourself or when you're with your coworkers. He knows you. So what he wants us to do is when we pray is just simply be honest with him in our confessions, in our professions, in our rejoices, in all, everything that goes with that, to be ourselves, to pray, to be direct with Him. Even in our frustrations, even in our joys, even in our sadness, in everything, to pray and to pray without a mask on. Because we're not fooling Him. Our Father, God knows us, our past, our present, our future, our thoughts, our worries. He knows our weaknesses, our failures, our strengths, our successes, our wants. Again, as Jesus says, he knows our needs. He knows what your family's need is. He knows what your marriage's need is. He knows what the need is at work. He knows what the need is in this community. He knows what the need is in our culture. He knows our needs. So don't put on a mask. Don't be a hypocrite. Don't be an actor. Be real. Be authentic. Be honest. Be vulnerable, be exposed, walk through the Psalms and you'll discover they're just simply holy and completely coming before God simply as they are. Find a pocket of space and time in your soul and heart, even in your location, wherever you're at, and come before the Father. As Jesus would describe here in a time of solitude, a quiet, still disposition, sit before your Father and just pray as you are. Give him everything, lay it all out there, remove the mask, come to your Father. And verse 7 goes along with that. When you pray, don't keep on just babbling like pagans. They think because of this they'll be heard because there are many words or many fancy words. In other words, it's, what Jesus is saying is not that God is anti-long prayers or anti-public prayer, which we'll look at at the end of this series. What he's getting at is just don't bring empty, meaningless, surface-level words and actions to him. Don't just give God lip service. Let your words and your disposition expose your heart and mind. Let your words and actions be real, not empty and deceptive. If you need to yell, yell. If you need to shout, shout. If you need to cry and weep, weep. If you need to speak, speak. If you need to praise, praise. If you need to rejoice, rejoice. And if you have nothing to say, Just sit and be still and know that he's God. But just bring yourself to him. That's what he wants. He just wants you. It says Isaiah, or the Lord said through Isaiah, these people, they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. God just wants our hearts. He wants you. He's crying out to you, where are you? As if he didn't know. He knows exactly where you are. But he wants you to come out of hiding. Remove the mask and come out. In seventh grade, we had these uh, school dances. And I'll never forget the first one I went to. A lot of anticipation. 
a lot of excitement, a lot of nerves, a lot of sweating going on. And my brother, who's three years older than me, was giving me a little bit of a, a direction on how I should dress and act at this dance. And he begins to dress me in his clothes. My brother's several inches taller than me. He is, you know, just a different body build and everything. But, and he's three years older than me. So he proceeds to give me these clothes like, no, th- this, is, this would be what you want to wear. This would, you know, whatever I was trying to do, I don't know. But he's like, you need to wear this. You, you need to dress like this. I went to that seventh grade dance feeling and looking like a fool. That's, that's in essence what it came down to. I felt uncomfortable. These are not my clothes. They were too big. They were ba- I just felt not myself. Why? Because I was putting on a mask, pretending to be something or someone I was not. And sometimes when I approach God in prayer, I look and feel like a fool. Ridiculous, uncomfortable, awkward, unable to even enjoy the company of the Father, largely because I'm trying to cover up my true self and be something I'm not. Trying to pretend. In light of this verse where Jesus says, listen, you, you want a true reward, an everlasting reward? Then come to me. As D.L. Moody would say, God sends no one away empty-handed except those who are full of themselves. Your true reward will be just that. Just maybe people looking at you say, oh yeah, things are going great. But if you want a real reward, then bring your heart to him. Bring yourself. As Deuteronomy 4.29 says, you will seek the Lord your God and you will find him if you search after him with all your heart and with all your soul. What Jesus is saying is, listen, God knows you. He knows us. He sees what's in secret. He knows our needs. What he really is after is just us. We're the ones trying to hide ourselves. He's calling us to come out of hiding so that he can cover us with his presence and his joy and his light. So God is asking you, where are you? Why are you hiding? Because in many ways, this is why you have no prayer life, because you're hiding. It's not because of time. It's not because of distractions. It's because you're hiding. And Jesus is saying, listen, when you pray, quit hiding. Lose the mask. Quit pretending. Quit being an actor. Or else you will leave empty-handed. You won't find the Lord's. Because you'll only find him if you come to him with all your heart and with all your soul. So Jesus is calling us to come out of hiding, to meet with him, holy and completely open and exposed, to be direct with him. So let us, as the author of Hebrews is saying, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace. So that we might obtain mercy and find grace to help in a time of need in our marriages, in our families, in our educational system, in our political system, in our financial system, and everything. Get rid of the mask. Quit pretending. He just wants you. So as Linda and the team comes forward, I'm going to call us into this time of invitation. And we got a little bit of time today 
and I wanted to carve out this time so that we could collectively come and just pray, but be direct with God together. And so even as I pray in just a moment, I challenge you this last week, I'm challenging you again today to quit hiding. Come to the Lord. Come forward together on these steps, not to show others whatever, but simply because you're done hiding and you want to come to the Father together as one body. And if you can't physically do that, then right there in that seat, do that. It's about the disposition of the heart. Come directly to God and be direct with Him. So as we stand together, that's the calling to pray and to pray without a mask on together. So even as I pray now, you come forward. And if you need to talk about anything else during this time, salvation, baptism, what it means to be a member of the body of believers here at First Baptist. If you need to just talk personally, I'm going to be right here. But you come even during this time. Father, we come to you. But so many of us, we've gotten so good at being actors, pretenders. But Lord, I pray that you'd break us of that. You're calling us to pray and to when we pray, to lose the mask. To come just as we are to you. Lord, there's some of us, our, our need is restoration, reconciliation. Our, our need is healing. Our need is joy. Our need is discernment, wisdom. Our need is direction. Our need is rebuke or correction. But Lord, we will leave empty-handed from the throne of grace if we do not come to you with just open, completely exposed hearts before you and pray directly to you, open and honest. Lord, you're just after our hearts. You just want us. So Lord, I pray that each one of us in this room would recognize that you are asking us. If we are hiding, you're asking us, where are you? I want you. Come to me. Lord, draw us to the throne of grace and mercy. Draw us into your presence together in this time as we are, just as we are. Each one of us, in Christ's name I pray. Y'all come during this time.